This podcast includes explicit language and situations. It is intended for adults 18 years of age and older. These thoughts and opinions are those not of any specific group, employer, or individual. Listener discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign with your hosts, Justin M. Reardon and Kelly Dollinger. All right, Justin, welcome back to episode four. Is we're gonna open up, have a little bit of conversation. Now, of course, we're living in COVID times. Everything's crazy. We're doing a ton of stuff in our business. Everyone in the world is doing stuff with their business. And we were really wanting to spend some time reflecting on loyalty. And I think that's our bread and butter right now, don't you oh, think? Oh man, without it, I don't even think we'd be in business anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've talked in previous podcasts about the importance of pivoting and innovation and all those things. And all of that certainly has been important. And a lot of those things really came together for us in a really awesome way. But that said, most of the people that we are conducting business with and contracting with and doing work for are people who have worked with us before and were already familiar with us and have had a long history of working with us and experiencing our brand and our level of service. And a lot of people that are coming to us are people who couldn't get their vendors to work for them. So they're now finding themselves in a situation where they're like, oh, I couldn't get this person to do this. And now I need your help. And it's tough because when you have somebody that's loyal to you for years and years and years, you have a choice between working for them or working for somebody that you've never worked with before in your life during the tough times, you're going to choose the one that's been loyal to you. And like, we haven't really spent a whole lot of time, like we're just riffing this topic. We were just interested in it really. So we're not just talking about gaining loyalty, but also how not to lose it. That's... You know, that's the flip side of the same conversation. And so here we are being able to hold on to clients that we've had. And we've had very loyal clients come for business during this crazy pandemic time. And then we're gaining business from other stagers who, where the client, you know, lost that loyalty. Yeah, it, you know, and there's a couple of reasons on the other side why people are coming to us now. Um, number one, we're one of the few home switches that are actually operating during COVID. So a lot yeah. of people are, like we, we've been, even been told that like, oh, you can't come into our building. Like we had a big high rise building and we needed to destage it. And the people who are on the board of the building are like, no, you need to just delay your destage until next July. And, you know, I called up the building and I said, okay, I just, I just wanna make sure that we're all on the same page here. You're saying that Governor Brown says that we cannot go in and move this people's furniture out of this house, which means that the sale is going to happen. But the new people who want to move in there will not be able to do that. And they'll have to go and stay in a hotel room. And when they are diagnosed with COVID, that you're going to take responsibility for their deaths. Is that correct? And I'm like, when can you desage that house? And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought you were going to say. So there's a lot of people who are taking the rules and twisting them because there's a lot of fear and a lot of misinformation out there. And they're making it into ways that like, well, I can't do this or you can't do that. Or you have to have the house has to be vacant and empty for two weeks before I'll even touch it. There's a lot of people who are scared to death out there and they don't necessarily have the right cleaning practices or the right PPE practices, PPE being personal protective equipment, and they are not doing social distancing in order to maintain while they're work working. And so they're finding they're making it nearly impossible for their clients to work with them. Their clients are then coming to us and we're like, yes, we can do this, but these are the rules that we are following. And as long as you don't come to the job site and as long as you allow us to clean it before you get there, we're good to go. And they're like, okay, yes, sure. great. Absolutely. But then I wonder like when it's over, are they going to stick with us or are they going to dump us and go back to their old home stage or again that wouldn't work you know i'm also reflecting on where am i spending money right now in the pandemic what brands am i choosing to engage with you know who's getting who's getting my money right Right. now and why done a lot of reflecting on my own you know we see we see like neiman marcus um filing for bankruptcy you know like All of these things are happening. And so my biggest takeaway from what you just said is, especially when things are crazy, can your vendor get shit done? Right. 
And if they do get shit done, are you going to continue to use them when there's somebody right. else who's a little tiny bit cheaper than them? Like, are you just going to bail because you found somebody who'll do it for 5% less? Or are you going to remember that that person worked that hard for you and made it work for you? Even though it was tough, they made it work for you. Are you going to stick with them or not? No, this is not true with all industries, of course. Like I, we were just talking about before, like, you know, I'm the biggest like Sephora whore. Like I am not loyal to anything <laughs> in Sephora, but I will go into that store and I love playing with stuff and I love trying new things. Right. So that's why it's just like sticking to one brand of makeup. Like it's like that. I have commitment issues yeah. with that. But in real estate is so much different than just some of the products we buy or brands we normally engage with. In real estate, if you're a broker, you can expect shit to go sideways all the time. That's basically your job. Right. And if we have a reputation, and the same way I think goes for, you know, for the agents who are listening to us, we're not trying to teach you how to be a good home stager. <laughs> These are relatable things in your business as well. But if you're trying to hold yourself a brand, and I think that we hear this over and over again from all the really great agents we talk to, is they are like ready for the chaos part of the transaction. And I think that we as a stager are ready for the chaos part of the staging aspect right. of it. Back in the day when I was an architect, um, I started off at a company called IA, Interior Architects. It was founded by a man named David Morning. And he sent out an email to all of the people that worked in the architecture firm. And there's 300 of us. I think it's like 13 or 14 offices worldwide. Email was titled Vendors. And David Morning never sent out mass emails to the whole client, to the whole employee base. But he did this. And the email basically said, our vendors make and break us as service providers. If we don't mm -hmm. have the loyalty of our vendors, we will not succeed as a company. And more so for real estate agents than I think any other business out there because a real estate agent is really a concierge of taking you through. They're like your Sherpa of taking you through the real estate transaction. And they're, they're introducing you to the right people that you need to work with in order to get the things done mm -hmm. that you need to do. Whether it's a title broker or a mortgage company, whether it's a home stager or a window washer, they're introducing you to all those people. If you don't have the loyalty of your vendors, if you treat your vendors like shit on a regular basis, they are not going to be willing to work for you. And I mean, I know that we have for years had an upcharge on what we call like an asshole fee. Like if this person is being an asshole, we just charge them more money and that's the way it is. And we do, we give discounts to the people we like <laughs> working with. And what people don't realize is that they have this idea that if you're a service provider, that you can treat your vendors like they are servants and that they're still gonna treat you the same. And they're always gonna smile at your face. They're always gonna answer that phone, but they will just charge you more for it. And every single service provider I've ever met for in my entire life has what they call a babysitting fee or an asshole fee, or as we call it, an executive fee. Like these are, are things that exist. And if you want that loyalty from your vendors, you have to treat them with respect and like a member of your team and not a servant. That's really what it comes down to. And what I'm finding is that when our clients treat us really well, we then in turn treat our vendors really well. And it makes us really cohesive team because we're all going the same direction. Yeah, I agree with that. We're so lucky for so many reasons. I don't think we can like repeat enough about how, how much gratitude we have during this kind of crazy time. But I think that for us and for all people in business or all people in real estate is like you're showing your true colors right now, yeah. even if it doesn't feel good yes. like you you are. And this is definitely a trying time. This is definitely a time where people like a make or break scenario for brands. You know, I just dropped off a, a friend and I had to drive down downtown Portland for the first time in a while. And there are a lot of businesses that are closed yeah. or have leasing release signs on them or all these things that are going to, unfortunately, um, the palette will be cleansed. And so it's an interesting time for these agents 
to realign with different service providers and that we are around to take care of them. And, you know, maybe they're new clients to us or um, they're just going to be more regular than they were in the past. But we're here to maintain that relationship with them. And we're kind of aside from all of the PPE and the safety protocols, your experience with us is exactly the same as it was before, if not better, just because we've come out with a couple of new tools that make working with us easier. But the aesthetic and our brand and everything is exactly the same quality that we had before. Right. You and I were talking yesterday about an idea around reputation and how you treat people comes back to bite you later on when you make your bed, you have to lie in it. And I'd love to just tell you this story that happened to us a couple of years ago. We had worked with a a real estate agent for a couple of years. We'd had a great time. It had gone really well. We had a project go south. Like it just didn't go well. I don't remember the specifics of what the project were, but from the point where those, that project went south, every three to five days, I'd receive a phone call from some random agent in town that would say, hey, we heard that you guys are not good. And I was talking to this agent and that you guys are doing a bad job, that you're terrible people to work with and you're dishonest. And I was like, oh man, that's, I'm so disappointed. You know, eventually I find out who this person is that is basically just like trying to tear us down over and over and over again. And it was really interesting that somebody would put that much energy into it. I was trying to figure out a way, because usually when somebody is bad mouthing another person, it doesn't make that person look bad. It makes the person who's doing the bad mouthing look bad. Like you are the one who ends up not looking like the good person. And so I wanted to try and like throw up a white flag and be like, hey, I give up. I'm sorry that it didn't go well. Can we call a truce? And so I spent $150 on this beautiful bouquet of all white flowers. And I sent them to the person's office and um, I wrote a note in it and I said, we love how much you talk about us please keep it up. Essentially, like the note that you basically said, like, I hear everything you say. I got a text message maybe about an hour and a half after they were delivered. And it was a picture of the flowers sitting on the agent's client's table. And it said, we received your flowers. We gave them to our client. She loves them. (laughs) And I was like, okay, great. But here's, here's the fantastic thing about that is that I was doing my best to try again, going back to our core values, um, gracefully executed, right? I was doing my best to say like, please stop doing this. I'm not talking bad about you. Please stop talking bad about me. And I raised the white flag and it was like, okay, you know, if you have to give the dig by giving my flowers away to somebody else, that's great. You got that. But I got to tell you, I never again heard a story of this person basically just like trying to tear down a reputation one person at a time. Whether you're in Los Angeles or in Seattle or Portland in a town that is this small, you got to understand every time you talk smack about somebody, it gets back to them. It may not be this time. It may not be next time, but it's going to eventually get back to that person and it only makes you look bad right it's just so not necessary and i think that we're in one of the most gossipy industries so it's like everybody knows each other right you you go back to that like lecture you got from your mom in the third grade that says don't say anything about someone you wouldn't say to their face because it's a small town now i I totally agree with that it is also really difficult to remember that when somebody is an asshole you don't have to tear them down because they're going to tear themselves down like they're they're going to make their bed and they're going to they're going to lie in it. And that's all about reputation. We always talk about how emotional sales is and how emotional real estate is. And the worst thing that happens 
when you do tear yourself down that way is you just don't win the work. It's You're never going to experience anything that feels good about revenge or vindication or all these other really just petty things. All that's going to happen is people aren't going to want to work with you. Your business is going to die. <laughs> like, I, it's just not a good way to operate yeah. ever. We had in Seattle, we had another home stager who decided it'd be a really good idea to make a bunch of fake Google and Yelp accounts and write these really nasty, terrible reviews about every single other homestager in town. And it was so transparent of who was doing it and how they were doing it. And it was just like, why are you wasting your time doing this? You could be making your own business better versus trying to tear down somebody else's business. And it was, I mean, it was so obvious because every single other homestager in town had the negative reviews except for that one person. <laughs> and it's like, right. you guys, like you couldn't be more obvious about this. It's just, just like a struggle for me because, you know, like I come in and I do like the sales trainings for Spade Nurture and we talk about like emotional intelligence and we see how dirty, nasty, petty, unproductive things can get. And it's just like, sometimes I just have to resign to the fact that that person must be hurting so They've much. They've got to be in pain. Yeah, absolutely. They have to be in pain. It's like the only compassionate thing I can come down to when actions like that that are just petty and make no sense for adult behavior. Right. Never mind that of a professional service provider. Right. You know, like I just have to think to myself, that person must be hurting so much to think that they're going to do this thing and at the end they're going to feel better about it because they're just not. You just don't feel good when you put that negative energy into the world. Well, not only that, you wasted a shit ton of time trying to tear yeah. somebody else's business down instead of just improving your own business, you know, and you know, how many of your clients could you have touched base during the 14 hours that it took you to write all those negative reviews? How many clients have you touched base and been like, hey, I'm just checking in to see how you're doing? I love the voicemail that is like, hey, there's no reason to call me back. I was just thinking about you. Like that is my absolute, <laughs> I love that voicemail. I call people and leave that voicemail all the time. And it's so nice as a service provider, whether you're a real estate agent or, or any other kind of service provider to get a voicemail because a voicemail on your phone, it looks like, oh crap, I have to do something. And when you get a voicemail and it's like, I was just thinking yeah. about you. You're like, I don't have to do anything for this. This is so <laughs> great. I just get to receive this like lovely message and consume the niceness of yes. it. And I don't have to do anything for yes, it. Yes, yes. It is gigantic. So I am a, a huge fan of the clandestine voicemail. And it's really great because nobody answers their phones anymore. Everybody always checks messages and then gets back to you. So sure. <laughs> it works really well. Well, to wrap up this topic, I think that we always in our business are managing client relations and working on nurturing that loyalty and like proving over and over again that we're showing up in the best way, providing the best project, developing all these cool innovative tools for you and whatever. But I think that this particular time when everything has gone so south to still show up with our core values, with the same service, very communicative, overly communicative, overly communicative mm. and showing up with clients. I think that this is a specific time where we are very lucky to be in business because we get to show clients that even in the worst of the worst, even in a global pandemic and whatever the hell is coming after this, that we are still here, we're still with you, we empathize how you feel. You know, we've been had a big theme about grace recently, like people having hard days all over the place, we can give more grace for that. And that's part of our brand as well. So I think that we've been not just lucky for what we've received, but also how we continue handling it and incorporate it into our brand. Yes, agreed. You ready to talk to Willie? Yeah, let's go do okay, it. Cool. Okay.
I'd love to welcome to the show today uh, one of my favorite people in the world. His name is Willie Gilliland. Willie is with Windermere here in Portland in the Lloyd Tower office, uh, Windermere Realty Trust. The Tower of Power. The Tower of Power. <laughs> and he is flipping fantastic. This guy has been in Spade and Archer's life since the beginning of time, and uh, we have grown old together, except for that he is eternally young and I just keep getting more and more gray. Uh, but Willie, welcome yeah. to the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks. <laughs> Could you just give us a brief history of like, I was born and this is how I became a real estate agent? My dad was always really into real estate. So when I kind of grew up around it, they had rental property and commercial properties and stuff like that. So I was always kind of exposed to it. You know, I've been an agent for 10 years, but I was in the car business before that. In a lot of ways, that is really good training for being a real estate agent. Because if you're a good car guy, you're selling, you know, 15 to 20 cars a month and this was pretty fancy car dealership it was Rolls Royce Bentley Porsche Audi Aston Martin Maserati and Land Rover wait you were selling 15 of those kinds of cars a month some months where it was even better than that but it's the same kind of mentality of people buying things or choosing things that happens on a rapid pace and then the same things are essentially the same things that people do when they're buying real estate was the relationship and the networking that kind of comes with the job with real estate was it very similar in cars as well? My approach to that was was similar. I don't think that that's normal. I think that the car business is really more transactional, but I was selling super high-end and exotic, but I always treated my customers like I would see them again, like and I would sell their, you know, manager or their attorney a car because they would refer me. That's the way I treated every transaction was that I'll probably see them again. Hopefully they will. My business down there was really by referral. In car sales you deal with buyers, but yeah. in real estate you're dealing with buyers and sellers. How did you learn the seller side? It is actually kind of the same because you're taking in a trade-in, trying to figure out how to get it ready to sell again, paint this or you know do that in real estate or you clean it or whatever you do. But a lot of that is the same preparation for getting a used car ready for the market. Okay, so then there's a, this massive transition that happens where you move from Palm Springs, you go to Portland, everything is like, boom, major transition. All of a sudden you're a real estate agent. That all happened in the same time? I went to school in Salem, Oregon, 45 minutes south of here, then kind of moved back to Portland right after college. And I was here. This has always felt like home to me. So when I moved back to Portland, I was actually sort of in the car business, but working more with dealers for Oregon Live. After that transition, then I went into real estate, which wasn't intentional, but that was also a really weird part of the economy where there wasn't a lot of hiring going on. So you kind of had to make your own way. I didn't realize that you and I started our business is right at the same about time. About the same, yeah. When I met you, it seemed like you had been doing this forever and knew exactly what you were doing and you were <laughs> floundering and scared just like I was. So. Yeah, well, that part was true. <laughs> you did a good job of covering that up. I would have had no yeah. idea. Both of you are similar in the sense that being able to manage relationships and hold yourself in you know, a sales nurtured relationship with someone seems very natural to you. But do you think it's a skill set or a gift? I mean, I think it's a skill set and a gift. 
gift. My grandmother was really good. She taught me a whole bunch of things that I still use every day. She always found something that she could talk to you about, even if she had no idea what it was. And I、mm-hmm. think a lot of the times you have to just do that. You have to figure out how do I talk to this person to figure out who they are, how they are, and what they like. I've always been able to do that. I have never been able to call Willie and have like a one minute phone call because we always have some <laughs> bullshit to talk about. There's always something, something.、Yeah. and I always、something. get off the phone like super pleased. Sometimes you get off the phone and you're like, when you talk to your mother and you're like, oh god, I cannot hang up this phone fast enough. But with Willie, I get down and I'm <laughs>、right? like, oh my god, I know so much more now than I did before. This is so great. Even if it's、oh, really、yeah. just good gossip. If you don't have anything nice to say, sit next to me. <laughs> my <you know>? favorite. <laughs> <laughs> exactly,、um, Willie. What do you love about your job? You know, ultimately, what I love about this job is sort of a schedule that you can sort of set and work around. Like I don't have to show up anywhere at a certain time unless I want to, and so that's really the great thing about it. It's great that we have that flexibility, and I think that's the best part about the job. When you moved back up here and you were working for Oregon Live, what was the trigger point that said you should go into real estate? You know, I got laid off from Oregon Live, and that was. It's not a good time to be looking for a job,、mm-hmm. as you remember from that time too,、yeah. 2010. Right? I might not be able to get anyone else to hire me, but I can do this. And that was my point: is like if you can do figure out how to do this business in a real downturn like that time was, it'll eventually change, and then you know we'll hit the ground running. And that's kind of、yeah. what happened. You use that built-in downtime. I think this kind of relates to a lot of where、yeah. people are right now to just get trained up. It took the、yeah. pressure off a little bit, and you're like,、it's, this is like a, a skill build. Time for me. That's exactly what I did. Did you have like massive reserves that you could like? You know that what do I always say? Like six or eight months of reserves when you first start real estate. Did you? No. <laughs> you just like <laughs> I hope this works. Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. No, I mean I had a little bit of reserve, obviously, but it wasn't going to last forever. So amazing how being hungry makes you work a lot. <laughs> I was going to say the、though? exact、yeah. same thing. Exactly. Yeah, was... There's a book called Good to Great, and it talks about this idea that second generation inheritors. Are the least likely to succeed in business because whenever they fail, their parents help them. I think that's、and、true. Part of hard work is having the proper motivation. If you don't feel the burn, you will not pull your hand away from the fire. Yeah. If your chances of failing that you'll be bummed out, or the chances of failing that you starve to death, you're much more likely to succeed if you're going to starve to death. I think so, that's probably、yeah. a logical conclusion from that. Most people like to have food with their meals. There、yeah. you go. <laughs> that's hilarious. This is our baby little podcast here. But we would imagine that probably a lot of newer brokers would listen in, and so it's a good message for them to hear that the hunger they have and the frustration and the hustle they're bringing right now is one of the best things you can really have in your business to get started. We are cycling back to where we were when you first began,、yeah. and as we enter into this kind of COVID nineteen new economy, whatever the hell that means, what changes are you making in your business in order to stay relevant, stay alive? You know. Keep working. Obviously, we've been forced to do changes. Everything is shown by appointment right now. Always use video in my listing since almost the beginning. So I've always done that. You kind of have to have video and Matterport and all the other cool stuff that's been out there that some agents have been using and some haven't. And now it's like you have to figure this stuff out. So I'm really lucky because I've still been pretty busy through all of this. And I think it's just because I've been really consistent in talking to my 368 person. Sphere and my fourteen hundred and forty-eight agent network that I regularly kind of reach out to, and I've done that since the beginning, since ten years. Those are amazing numbers because I tell you, 
as as one of the people that's in your sphere's influence, I feel like I am in a very, very special zone that I know you really personally. And I have a feeling that all 398 of those people feel like they're in a really special position with you. Sometimes you sit here and you're like, is this phone on? Is this working? What's going on? You feel like <laughs> nobody's out there listening. And then just like that, right. you'll get a call. And it's like, wow, I haven't talked yeah. to that person in a long time, but we're starting the conversation. I love what you just said about you haven't talked to them in a while, which means you are continuing a conversation. And I have some friends who I think sales for them is a gift and they will get on the phone and maybe it's been six months and they've been like, how's your second cousin's third wife doing with her degree in nursing? That's where the gift part, I think, and the skill set, the practice of that. But it's very interesting to hear you make all these points, especially how far ahead you were in adopting those technologies when people really weren't. And I think people are having to do it now, like you said, out of desperation. New is my favorite word. So I've been using Showing Time since it launched. Showing Time is a app. a suite of things that are connected into the RMLS. Every agent has been paying for this since it launched a year or two ago, and like a fraction of them are using it. And now since every showing is by appointment, it's a super easy way to schedule an appointment. It does everything in one click rather than having to text the agent, text the seller. You know, for agents, it would be like if we were still getting wet signatures on everything and not using DocuSign. It is an agent tool that every agent that's in the RMLS is already paying for has direct linking access to their linking and to their listings to do it. And they're just working too hard if they're not using it. You've been working with the same vendors for a long time, even when they fuck up, like we've fucked <laughs> no, up you with haven't. you before and you've let us know like, hey, you guys fucked up and we this is how I want to do it better from now on. And you've been incredibly loyal to us. I think that in turn, your clients end up being incredibly loyal to you and your vendors also end up being incredibly loyal to you. Can you just talk a little bit about how you found your vendors, what your standards are to work with them, and then what your philosophy is behind loyalty. The way I found you guys is I thought, wow, these guys are, first of all, the aesthetic was exactly what I loved about it. And then when I first used you guys, it was so business-like and so professional, like everything you asked for and that, you know, we agreed to do, if we did it, you did what you agreed to, which was show up on time, get it done on time, have it photo ready the next day. There was never a, a worry that are they going to be done with this? It was going to be done. And I thought, wow, like that is really a right brain, left brain connection. It's gorgeous. And it's done exactly the way and on time the way that they said it would do. So that goes a long way for me for loyalty. If you're willing to commit that to me, I will commit that I will use you unless you fuck it up, which you know, you guys have never. We've made adjustments <laughs> on things here and there, but I would never call anything that, you know, a mistake that you've made a fuck We take up. nothing less than right? perfection, so. Yeah, so, and you know, <laughs> going back to what things that my grandmother said, she also said, hire the best people that you can afford and get out of their way. Oh my right? gosh, that's such good advice. Can you talk to every one of our clients, yeah, please? I mean, and I have always done that. If it's an attorney or if it's a designer or whatever it is, hire that person for the reason that you picked them and get the hell out of their way. Let them do what they want to do. I mean, I've given you guys some direction where I've had a vision of how I want it to look. I'm not going to micromanage anything that you guys do because it's always amazing when it's when it's done. We had a conversation like that this exactly. morning where we were talking about a project and you said, I want it to look like Elizabeth Carrington would want to would want yeah. to shelter in place in yeah. this house. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so what color palette is that? And you're like, no, 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 no. 
know. That's for you to decide. I just want I'm gonna Elizabeth give you the feeling. <laughs> I don't care what you do. This is this is my vision for how I want it to feel when you walk in. I don't care how you get there. It's it's really right? interesting like, though because I, I feel like when you give us directions like that, it gives us so much creative space to interpret what the what the hell you're talking about. I think that's my job because that's what I have in mind for the copy of the listing. Mm-hmm. That's what I have in mind for how the picks are going to be and how I want that buyer to feel when they walk in the door. And you guys are a critical part of that. Let's talk about how you have differentiated your brand as, you know, Willie G is kind of this entity that is different from the rest of the market that's out there. Like if you want something a little better, it's a lot like me, like I'm super proud to be a snob. (laughs) I want people to aspire to be like me, to have a life like I have. And I think that you've done this really, really good job of making your business look aspirational. I wonder like where your core values are and what your brand aesthetic is and how you decide where you're taking your brand and how you differentiate yourself from the rest of the market. What do you see as as your differentiators? I think that our brands match really well. Like I've always loved the Spade and Archer aesthetic. That's what I want. You know, I, I love that aspirational feel. I love that very tidy, just cool feel that it doesn't feel like you're walking into a staged house. You would just walk in, you're like, wow, I want to live here. You know, I want it to look like this forever. That is an aesthetic. It's an easy elegance, a super handheld along the way kind of a feeling that I try to create for my clients. What is always important to me, and I learned this in the car business too, even if it's a $150,000 studio condo or a $2 million big house with a pool and all that stuff, it's their real money. If they're crazy enough to hire you, then you need to be respectful of the fact that that is their real money. That's, you know, their budget. They deserve every, you know, same treatment and same consideration and your same diligence to that that anybody does. What you have developed for yourself is so brilliant. I don't even know if you realize how many times you said the word feel in the last like 10 minutes. First of all, you even just applied empathy for people spending money on a home, regardless of how grandiose it is. You still had empathy for it, that it's their money. Mm -hmm. And you said, I want the home to feel this way. You didn't want to tell them what the colors were or what the furniture is and make all these like pics. You said, I want it to feel this way. I want to say you got good at it in car sales, but really you got it from your grandmother. Yeah, a lot of stuff that she used to say to me all the time, I really think on a daily basis. She always said, don't be boring <laughs> among, among her other you know millions of cool things but those were really important lessons and they were all very different lessons but they are things that I use every day okay so your ethnicity you are half Japanese my mom is Japanese okay. And my dad is English and Irish. So which grandma was this? Uh, Irish grandma. Irish grandma. Interesting. Because I'm trying to picture what she looks like in my head. And I'm like, I don't know. She could have been a little Japanese lady. She could (laughs) have been an Irish lady. I don't know. (laughs) So everyone called her Betty. Everyone calls me Willie, or most people do. But her name was always Elizabeth Gilliland, you know, Mm -hmm. in every single thing that I ever remember seeing it. And and she said that. She said, it doesn't matter what anyone calls you, but as long as it's written out, call it Elizabeth. Use your 
your real name. So that was a branding thing, right? Yes, like for, I was going to say that's a strong brand. Yeah, yeah she wouldn't yeah, have even known what that concept was like, but that was like very important to her. So the, this is how I see your brand from the outside. I see your brand is very much like that whole idea of like it's William. And from the William side of things, it's like from the facade that we put up, like we're huge fans of the ballet, not even just the fans of the ballet, but like intricately like in, intertwined in the ballet. We love like things from Cartier. We know, have great knowledge of like luxury cars. We love great views. Um, I love a well-tailored jacket. But then there's the Willie side that's like, I'll take that well-tailored jacket and I'll wear it over like a graphic tee with a pair of humongous glasses that Willie G is the only guy I know in the world that can successfully pull off the gigantic glasses. You're able to appreciate these finer things in life, but also like really poke fun at them too. That's Willie's brand. And that's where yeah. people in Portland really respond to your brand. I don't trust anyone without the courage of their convictions. So even if they're crazy convictions, if you really believe that and that's your style, then that's great. We don't have anybody on here who's vanilla. We don't have anybody on here who everybody likes. The people that we pull on are very distinct flavors. They're like rum, raisin, peanut butter. Because some people are going to love you, some people are going to hate you. Have you run into that situation where like somebody is just like, you are not my guy? Oh, absolutely. This is a really easy business to get your, your feelings hurt in. I think you just have to deal with that and just realize that you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. It's why there's so many agents out there. I mean, you will relate to certain kinds of people really well and others not as well. And you should always trust who you hire to be able to help you find the right houses that you want to do or represent your interests or always kind of be on your side. So you should choose the person that does that for you. And I'm not always going to be that person. Resilience and longevity in real estate for you has really come down to innovation your powerful ability to maintain and nurture and create new relationships, professional level of service, a strong brand, empathy, and the ability that you have to really see and feel where everyone is in a situation, and then also conviction. I love the sound of that. So say it over and over and over. It's a pretty fucking good resume. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I'll take it. It's nice to hear from you that you're picking that up because I would hope that that is what, you know, what working with me is like. Well, I've known you for a whole 33 minutes, and that's wow, my takeaway. Cool. So that's probably why you're pretty damn successful Sold. in real estate. Can we play my favorite game called Highs and Lows now? Uh-oh. Yeah. Here it is. What's your favorite memory as a broker? Like, when was that time that you're like, this is why I'm doing this? You know, you're not going to be best friends with all of your clients, but sometimes it actually happens and you go way beyond the client-agent relationship and you're still great friends and, and the transaction was great for them and it was good for the seller and it was good for everyone. That's like such a good feeling when it all comes together. Everyone's happy about it and then you end up with a new friend and a really good referral client out of that. Give me an exact moment when you were like, yes, this person is now my friend. I don't tend to use, you know, the F word around my clients until I know them really well. Like you won't, you won't tell them to fuck off? You know, right? <laughs> but if you use the F word appropriately around me for something that I totally agree with, then I know you're going to be a really good friend of mine. Uh, yes. <laughs> so. Swearing is something that is not used for a long time in a real estate relationship. And once somebody swears, all of a sudden the barriers come down and we start to trust each other. We're like, oh, this yeah. person's cool. They're not going to judge me because I swore. Yeah, they're a real person. What was your lowest day 
in real estate? I always try to keep as much drama out. You know, drama between agents or drama between a buyer and a seller is never a good thing to making a transaction happen. Sometimes it's just unavoidable and the two clients just end up hating each other out of it. And you've done every single thing that you can to keep it out, but it, there's no other way to do it. I think that's the worst part of it. What was your like, I am done, I'm out of here? When you've like got all of the pieces agreed to and it's everyone's had to give up and then somebody asks for something else or changes the deal and you're just like, oh my God. God, I can't even, you know, we just tried to get there. We all were in agreement. And then all of a sudden it's not anymore. That's when you just want to like throw everything down and just walk out the door. You're showing up and you're trying to provide this professional level of service with as much empathy and understanding and understanding everyone's feelings. And then like even Justin, just being on the periphery of your own, the sale of your home, just how many emotions are brought to the table. And like, we know that we're, we're involved with that too. Of course, I feel like most of my training with staff has just been like, don't take any of this personally there's a lot yeah, going on for all advice. these people and it's just like sometimes you're like you don't have a therapist on staff to close this deal <laughs> and like you do all, you do all of the work that you need and you feel yeah. like you're there and you're saying the bottom the bottom falls yeah. out at the end it is an emotional roller coaster for sure yeah can yeah. you tell us about a day that was just great. Like you were on cloud nine and it was a fantastic day. Honestly, there've been a lot and I can't think of any specific day, but it's maybe it was like in the last few days because, you know, we've all been so locked down and trying to figure out how to do stuff a different way and sometimes more of a struggle for some agents than others. But I think that we've had real challenges in the last few weeks and I've still been busy. I've still been writing offers. I've still been showing things. I've still been listing things. And I think that new challenge, like Maybe it was like yesterday or the day before, actually, because uh, all of those things are so different. There's so many challenges. And I got a new listing. I got an offer in. We got something accepted. Like all of the best things about this job have happened in this environment even. And it's like, what the hell? How did that happen? I'm super lucky. We are talking specifically about resilience and longevity in business. And here we are, a global pandemic, and you still have work because of my post-it note, <laughs> because of your innovation, your powerful ability to hold relationships, professional level of service, all the things. There's not a day in this business that I think, wow, I'm really lucky to be doing this. Have you ever been hurt? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we were talking about before, it's really easy to get your feelings hurt in this business. And sometimes people do it without even knowing that it's just going to be so devastating. Like when you've been working with someone and all of a sudden you find out that they've used another agent or that they called a sign or that they thought they were talking to the listing agent when they poked a button on Zillow and all of a sudden they're in someone else's trap and you find out about it later. And you're like, what the fuck? How did that happen to me? But yeah, I mean, it happens. Not everybody understands the whole idea when you push the button on Zillow. Or Redfin. Explain that. Yeah, Zillow and Redfin and all of the companies that are using this kind of technology really make it look like those agents, that the agents that are part of their premier programs, you know, or a Redfin agent or whatever it is, you know, a lot of times they're not theirs. So it looks like you're talking, you know, asking a question about that house or that particular listing, and it's not. So that just puts you in contact with whoever has paid a fee to be 
be associated with that button. Exactly. To be a premier agent or to sort of get priority of those. I'm not a premier agent. I don't pay for leads and I never have. Is that what premier agent means? Is that you paid for a lead? Yes. Yeah. When you're, you pay for that, that, that <sighs> placement and that special badging and that you'd have to ask a premier agent. Maybe that's a, a topic for another show. But I, I haven't paid for leads, but I know that's exactly how it works. I just talked to a, a seller recently who she bought a, a house. She thought she was talking to the listing agent and it, it wasn't the listing agent. It was someone else. And they managed to convince her to, to work with her. She wasn't happy about it, but that's, that's how it happens. And then you find this out later and you feel kind of depressed and pissed off that they didn't hire you. But then you also kind of feel sorry for them because you, you have to wonder if that agent was really looking out for their best interests and help them get the right. best deal on it. Like I, I always right. try to do, I think it's, it's not great. It's, it's a lose-lose sometimes. Sometimes it can be great, I'm sure, but not always. In our industry, you can get these letter designations at the end of your name. Yeah. Like my name can say Justin Reardon ACS yeah. or Justin Reardon RESA, R-E-S-A, Real Estate Association Association. And essentially you paid a fee. Yeah. You took a class for a couple to of days and then you passed a test that is 100% pass-fail rate. Correct. Which means that you're getting this designation by basically just paying a fee. All you're doing is paying for something. And Premier to me sounds like something that's earned, not that's bought. Correct. There's a lot of trickery out there on the interwebs. Like they... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't the whole leads thing really just like a shortcut or a cheat code for what you personally have already mastered, which is building their relationships, maintaining their relationships. Could be. Yeah, like, it could be. And here you are, you're yeah. probably busier than a lot of those other agents. That's really where the meat of the issue tends to get exposed is when we go into a downtime. All that fat gets trimmed away. People that have been paying for leads that have not built up relationships over years and years and years. I mean, how many real estate agents went into this recession cycle? Yeah, exactly. And how many are going to come out and yeah, sell the it, agents? You know, we've had many kind of mini, mini downs and big ups in the last 10 years, right? mostly ups, not some, not as many downs, but it looks so easy, right? And it's really not. And you do have to have some skills in this business to do it well. I think that, you know, when it looks as easy as it is and everyone's making big, big commissions on things, people want to do it. And then all of a sudden when it gets harder and you don't know exactly what you're doing or don't have as many skills as some other agents, I think you think, wow, I need to get out of this business too. Has there ever been a time, Willie, where you were filled with so much gratitude that you didn't really even know how to express it, that you weren't really able to tell the person how much you appreciated what they had done for you. I think that happens a lot. I'm, I just am so uh, lucky that anyone hires me to do anything at all. And I feel really grateful and lucky that that happens. So yeah, that's, that's every time. I mean, if someone's crazy enough to hire me, like, wow. I've really loved learning about your story. I'm very passionate about sales and the emotions oh, behind thanks. sales. And I think you have such a great story that just in such a small amount of time makes it makes so much sense it's been fun i was you guys asked me to do this i'm like sure what is it <laughs> it's really it, hard it you know, to talk about the toughest yeah. subject ever yourself yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> willie can you tell us the best place for folks to find you wghomespdx.com is my website so if you can get, get to that you can pretty much figure out where to find me fantastic and you'll see lots of spade and archer stuff on you, so. <laughs> so if you're <laughs> looking for a fun person to stalk 
wghomespdx.com that this is the guy to go to. Willie Gillian, it has been such a pleasure having you on Behind the Yard Sign. Thank you for being here. Uh, Willie is a broker with Windermere in Portland, Oregon. He's one of the best that I've ever worked with and an absolute stellar person. And I can tell you that if you work with him, you will be entertained the entire time. This guy's fantastic. Willie, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys. If you've got a story that you want to tell on Behind the Yard Sign, contact us. You can find us at spade-archer.com. I'm kind of crushing on him hardcore because he hit all my points that I love making in sales, um, in sales and marketing and branding, which are all my favorite things. We talked a little bit before about brand loyalty in terms of like the grit and character of being able to show up during rough times and you know securing great vendors that are gonna come through for you. But now that we've talked with Willie a little bit, I think we should talk some about brand differentiation, don't you think? Oh yeah, I mean, and, and Willie's kind of the king of it. That guy is, if you want anybody to be on your side, it is Willie. You don't, you don't want that guy to hate you. You want that guy to love you. And when he does, he's going to love you forever. I mean, talk about just a master of honing in on exactly what his brand is and a master of loyalty as well. Not only getting his clients to be loyal, but also being loyal to his vendors, which I think speaks yeah. really strongly to his entire like personality. It's it's amazing. You know, we, we spend an awful lot of time talking about brand differentiation at Spade and Archer. I have often said like, the quickest way to get me to say no to something is to say, well, everybody else is doing it. And I'm like, well, that's the mm-hmm. best reason not to do it, which is kind of a conundrum when you talk about this idea behind the yard sign, because our whole purpose of having this podcast is to talk about experience, real estate agents, and then having newer real estate agents listen to this podcast and take, you know, nuggets of knowledge from them and use it and put it towards their own business. And I guess it's not, we're not saying like, well, you should wear big glasses and you should, you know, love the ballet to, in order to be successful. It's more more like these are concepts that that Willie has built into his business and these concepts can be used in your business. I know a a real estate agent who's super into donuts and she's literally taken like an entire love of donuts and turned it into her brand. Like that's what she does. Like Jennifer Beltran, she's like really into donuts, who loves them. And and, And her whole Facebook presence is like, we love donuts. When we got our first consult with her we brought a dozen donuts with us to the to the, <laughs> to the first appointment and she was like that's it sold we're using these people and it was like you know so what funny. a seven dollar box of donuts <laughs> People tell you stories. I love listening listen to Willie's story. And you tell me that story. And my brain is going off with, well, this makes her feel this. And this makes him feel that. And this makes her. And so it's just like all I hear, all I pick up on in like a rain man kind of way is like what's happening emotionally and all of that. So it's right. like, sure, I, I'm on, you know, the corporate side. So I've never met this woman with the donuts. But I would imagine that it's such a, it's easy. It's convenient. It makes people smile. Um, it's a, it's generous. It's friendly. It's they're pretty colors. Um, it's yeah. appetizing. You know, just like on and on and on and on like I mean unless you're keto like me it's really hard to find something wrong with a donut you know what I mean um so I love that that's like part of her outward visible brand and then we we got to practice our active listening which is also a great thing to do with clients and to build relationships and to say like we see you we see these donuts and we raise you these donuts because we want to participate with you and we like get you we see you like we think that this is a really cool thing that you do and we wanted to be like cheeky and generous back with her so let's talk about active listening let's talk about that so kelly is going to is going to make a statement she's going to make a statement to me and i'm 
going to respond back to her first the first time with not active listening and I'm respond back to her the second time with active listening. So go ahead and say something to me, Kels. I really want a raspberry donut from Blue Star. <laughs> it sounds like you are hungry and you are a big fan of my friend Katie Pope's store, uh, Blue Star Donuts. Is that what's going on with you mm. right now? Yes, definitely. Have a craving okay. for sure. So that was really good active listening. Let's, now let's do it with not active listening. Go. I really want a raspberry donut from Blue Star. Oh, donuts are so bad for you. <laughs> that is called not active listening. Now, I'm right. I am correct in that. Correct. But donuts are not good for you. But what I did was I took Kelly's statement and I said, no, you're wrong. And this is why. Now, although I get the satisfaction of being a better person than Kelly, let's just say that, I do not get the satisfaction of having Kelly be my client anymore because I made her feel bad. And ultimately, my goal is not to have Kelly lose weight or not get diabetes. My goal is to find a bond with Kelly so that I can work with her. And so the first time that she said it, I didn't necessarily say like, you should go do it. Let me go get it right now and I'll shove it down your throat. I said, oh, I love Blue Star Donuts. My friend Katie Pope owns that place. Her donuts are delicious. I found some way to connect with her. I did it in a total snob way because that's my brand and did the name dropping around it. But I found a way to listen to what she said and said yes and to it. And so I can be an active listener. Mostly what active listening is, is just listening to what somebody says and repeating it back to them. When you reflect back to somebody what they said originally, it validates them. It makes them feel like they are heard. It makes them feel like a human being. And ultimately, that's all we want, right? I loved your point around you were saying, I'm right, but, and a lot of people don't have the awareness around that. Nobody wants to hang out with people who are right all the time. Believe me, I know because I'm right all the time. It's terrible. People want to hang out with people who are real all the time. Yeah. Like, I feel like I should have a PhD in marriage counseling because I went through so much of it. <laughs> Good job. But the one thing I can take away for sure that is applicable in every area of my life and anywhere for anything relationship-based is you can be right or you can be in relationship. Yeah. So it's not about being right. Like, if you walk around the earth trying to be right all the time, you probably have very few friends and very few connections. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I and I say that completely owning it. I was the most annoying like teenager into early 20s because I just worked really hard. I made a lot of really good choices. I didn't do drugs. I didn't do anything bad. And like maybe that's Catholic guilt. I don't know, whatever. But a lot of my friends were doing normal adolescent developmental stuff and I would have such a snobby problem with it. Right. And what I've loved about my 30s is that now that I've done a lot more living, now I've done a lot more hurting, now I've done a lot more feeling emotions and processing emotions. And I think I have a lot more empathy now that I've lived more. And so I'm circling back with friends and things. And I'm not the the best thing about being 34 for me is I have got no clear answers for you. Everything's a shit show. We're just making the best of it. (laughs) And it's just like, it's the same thing when you stand in front of your client, you know, your client or your vendor or whoever you're working with or you're trying to influence, right? Sales is service, service is sales, sales is influence. I mean, it's all the same thing and you're, you can't take the emotion out of it. It is the emotion. And I think that learning to lean in and connect with that person, whatever it is, and we heard that from Willie and how powerful that is for him. Um, that's the most powerful thing you do. Now, you're not going to agree with everybody and every, cause that's inauthentic, right? But your yes and statement was exactly right. And that's how you engage in conversation. And that's how you be really real. And we are real in our brand, which is one of my favorite things about us is I think that 
the brand is you because you are the company and you started it. It's but a very idealized who, version of me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, it's it's you with 10 years of emotional maturing, yeah. which is everybody, no matter what age they are at starting at something, right? So yeah. you're all, we're always getting better at something. But our staff adopts it as well um, and have learned and, and mimic from you. So I think our brand differentiation is being like playful and silly and there and present and in it and leaning in and engaged. Yeah. And that's why I think we have such like longevity for ourselves. Yeah. Like we were talking about with Willow. And I think all of Spade and Archer's brand is all, it's all about appropriateness. So when, when do we get to be serious and when do we get to totally poke fun at ourselves? Because I think that a lot of home staging, because home staging is kind of like the bastard redheaded stepchild of the design world. Like you have, you know, architecture and then interior design. And then like, you know, 15 rungs later is like home staging. We're like the lowest of the low in the, in terms of the design world. There's a lot of Napoleonic complex amongst home stagers that we take ourselves so bloody seriously. I, what I like about Spade and Archer is that we are willing to poke fun at ourselves. We'll make little jokes in our home staging. We'll leave things behind that are like, you know, kind of funny, like a bowl of like, you know, uh, little kitty cats that are that are ninjas that are spray painted silver. Like we're willing to, to crack a joke and say like, we get it. This isn't really all that serious. I often say there are the three H's. There's um, hand grenades, horseshoes and home staging. And in all three of those things, close enough is good enough really you don't, <laughs> you don't have to be spot on on these things so the biggest mistake that we could make is to take ourselves really seriously that's never been our brand because we can't we couldn't do it if we tried no. honestly no. so again that goes back to our previous podcast on core values and like you know like our brand is showing up in a way that's reflecting our core values i had that podcast that conversation we had in mind when we were listening to willie earlier and i was writing down because sometimes your core values should be so loud that people can pick up on them without you having to say these are my core values like you don't need you shouldn't need to be walking around with a sign with your mission statement on it for people to figure out what you're about <laughs> you know like the skill there is being able to pick up on it so i loved willies of innovation relationships professional level of service strong brand empathy and conviction because that's what i picked up from him and i think that right. the things that we lead with i hope that people can tell too i mean like we are on it in terms of our protocols with our clients and the communications we send them and the collateral so consistent in our and the brand management for my set side is really consistent and the level of service that you guys provide from the design team is always consistent people know what to expect when they call us I wish that we had had so much more intentionality than we did going into this. It, it's very, very difficult to know what your core values and what your brand identity are when you first yeah. start out. And yeah. a lot of that takes time to kind of flush out. Sometimes we've done some things in our brand. We're like, well, we're going to try this for a little while. And we're like, nope, that was a terrible idea. That's not part of our brand. And sometimes uh, we have to go out on a limb and, and try that. I, I wish that you know, we had never made any mistakes throughout the course of our business. But as as new real estate agents are getting started out there, what's interesting about real estate is that your brand is you. You do not sell houses. That is not your job. Houses sell themselves. What you sell is your personality and what you bring to the business. How are you going to make this transaction easier for your client? And so as a real estate agent, when you're looking for your brand, look in the mirror, man. What do you do? What do you say? How do you act? How do you live your life? What are your morals? What do you live? And when you find out what you are, that's your brand right there. What you are and what you are and are not. Are not, yeah. Willie couldn't like sit down and just say like, this is what I'm into. This is what my brand is right there. 
His brand is so strong because I think he has such a strong personality. He's so well-defined and that his personality just comes flowing into his brand so beautifully that he's never yeah. really had to think about it. And so I think that if you can sit down and, and just nail what your, what your, what your brand is, have you, have, you, have you ever heard of the Johari window? No, what's that? The Johari window, so it sounds really like, you know, fancy and mystic and stuff. It's actually invented by a guy named Joe and a guy named Harry, and they call it a Johari window. It's this uh, exercise that you can do on the interwebs, and we'll put a link in in the podcast for this one. But it's this exercise that you can do where uh, you have, it has four panes. One window pane is what you see about your own self. One window pane is what other mm. people see about you and you see about your own self. One window pane is what other people see about you, but you are blind to. And then the last pane is what nobody sees about you. And it's a really interesting exercise. You can grab a group of five or six or 10 of your friends and fill these, these forms out for each other. And you start to realize what your real personality traits are. I did this last week with a group of my friends and it came back that... Um, <laughs> Everybody felt I asked <laughs> later oh, on, boy. I asked my family, I was like, what do you think my strongest trait was? And my son in trying to make a joke and doing um, so really poorly, he said that I think that your strongest trait is that you're disingenuous. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like actually hurt my feelings. It's nearly impossible to hurt my feelings. But my son said, I think your strongest trait is that you're disingenuous. And I was like, wow, man, that that's ouch. And he totally apologized. And he goes, no, I think that your strongest trait is is your confidence. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah, that that is my strongest trait. That was the one that the most people called out about my personality. I thought it was really funny that the only the only trait that was in my window that nobody else agreed with was that I thought I was witty. Oh my like, god! You're like I'm no. a I'm a dad joke factory over here. No one appreciates it. Not witty at all. That's so funny. <laughs> but my confidence made up for it. It didn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'll send you that link, and and it's a really fun exercise to do. It goes thin up, so you can do it with social distancing because it does not require like during your next yeah. Zoom meeting when you have nothing else yeah. to talk about. Do the Johari window. It's actually kind of cool. That's awesome. Uh, and it would be a great way to figure out what your own personal brand is because that will tell yes. you right there. This is what I am. This is what I do. This is how people perceive me. I do a lot of consulting in the wellness world and like the whole in holistic wellness and health and stuff. And very similar to real estate, people get into this. It's a it's a it's a like a lifestyle change for them and they want to have a brand online. Well, normally these like little baby business women are so afraid of not being something that their brand literally looks like nothing or it just looks like everybody else's and they get no engagement. So when people come to me and say, I can't get engagement, I feel like I've done all of these things and and I'm like, does anybody out there say in their head when they see your collateral, your brand, your messaging, your captions, your whatever it is, wow, this person was put here for me to help me solve a problem of mine. Because if they're not saying that, your brand isn't strong enough. So it's like if you're trying to people please everyone. I was even having, I was doing a marketing exercise with someone yesterday. They want to launch um, a national tour when we can y'all get us pandemic stuff targeted towards athletes. But then he ex- explains to me that it's going to include high school athletes and college athletes. And then like the parents of athletes of kids. And then like people who also work with athletes like occupational or um, physical therapists. And I'm just like, wait a second, this umbrella is getting really big. This includes so people who you, never watched sports ever. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. So I'm like, the more, the, the bigger you think your demographic is, the more 
diluted your brand's going to be. So like, I know that you have been working really hard to develop this business over the last 10 years, but like our brand works really well. I think, and I think even Willie said that he was just like, from an aesthetic perspective, you guys have always shown up and it was a great fit for exactly how I wanted the properties to feel, which I love. That's like my favorite thing. And then, you know, just like the service we provide and working with us and all that stuff fit in with his brand. And that's really what, that's really what B2B is, business to business, is if you're a real estate agent, you want to work with other businesses who match your brand as a business. And so it is scary, especially if you're not making that much money to imagine closing doors, but we're not really closing doors, targeting the needs, wants, and demographics of the best people to work with that we can serve best. We show up and we want to serve who we can serve best. So if if you're a newer broker and you feel like, oh my God, this brand thing's so overwhelming, because I've known genius people who I look up to in their their fields, their personal finance, or they're selling commercial real estate or whatever, and they can't wrap their head around a brand to save their life. I can tell in five minutes if somebody is going to end up being a client of ours or not. In like the first five minutes of our interaction, and this is how I can tell. I will just lay out for you flat out. If I cannot find their contact information online, like if they refuse to give an email address, like if you have to fill out a form or something like that, and they only will give like an office phone number where you have to call a receptionist who asks them if they want to talk to you. Like if they are purposely separating themselves from the public because they don't want to be contacted, I can tell that we're probably not going to be the right person for them. I can tell if I call an agent and their voicemail, it goes to voicemail and the voicemail says, I'm sorry, this voicemail is full. We're probably not going to be their client. Right. If we go to the job site and we've been given a lockbox and there's no key in the lockbox or the combination is wrong, I can tell we're probably not going to be their person. The people that tend to work with us the best are the people who are sticklers about service, that they are available at all times. They answer the phone. They get back on voicemails. They make sure you can contact them at any given time. Those are the people that are going to fit in with our brand. People who don't have that level, and I'm not saying this is good or bad. There are many different levels of service that you can get in real estate. There are many different levels of fees you can get in real estate. People who don't have that level of service, they're probably not going to like us because they're going to find us, you know, stuck up and overly involved with the details and way too responsive. They're just going to hate our level of service because we just come across as annoying to them. And so it's sure. really and fast our, to tell. I would say our ideal way to look at our business, which I think in this particular example is what makes us so successful, is that we really do see ourselves as a valuable part of the listing team. Right. And if one part of the team is aloof and, you know, maybe they don't do this full time or maybe they're in and out or they're, they haven't done a ton of transactions or whatever, and then we're showing up and we've got contracts and things to sign and we've got quotes to float around and we've, we have appointments to make and all this stuff to make this real estate transaction go from a professional level that would feel really lopsided. Right. And it's okay. There are home stagers that are out there that are the perfect home stager for that particular type of agent. I just know that they're not going to like us because they don't get us and we don't get them. And we really want to work with people that like, you know, really get us that we fit well together with. Sure. And it is our our values aligned. In the beginning, it was so hard because I wanted to work with everyone. I wanted to have a hundred percent of the marketplace. And after you know, like seven years. And I realized that like chasing the people that weren't our clients was a waste of time. 
and that really what I should be spending my time on is maintaining the client base that we have and bringing on more of clients that are like that. There's like, there's one agent in Portland that is like, she is our perfect agent. We should be working together so bad, but she is brand loyal to another person that she's been working with for a long time. And I Mm -hmm. call her and I whisper sweet nothings in her ear and my voicemails all the time. But I'm like, look, I get it. If the reason why you're not working with us is because you're loyal to somebody else, I will not fault that because I want loyalty from my clients too. But someday, if you ever need us, we will be here because I love the snot out of you. And I want you, I want to be on your team so bad. (laughs) I will never fault that. That's so funny. Yeah. The name of the podcast is Behind the Yard Sign. If you have a story that you want to tell us, reach out to us. You can find us at spade-archer.com. Our music is composed by Joff Metz. You can find him at five star guitars with an s.com uh, my best friend in the world since high school and he uh, he composed our music for us again you can find us at spade-archer.com kellyanne hanahan it's always been such a pleasure to chat with you talk soon thank you justin see you soon all right bye this production of behind the yard sign was brought to you live from the spade and archer studios spade and archer design agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager